I want to add my welcome this morning to all of you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for arranging your life to be in church to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Thanks for being here. And we uh, we realize people come in on a Sunday morning. We don't know where they are inside. You know, just like the video. Some of you come in. We believe one out of five people walk in on a Sunday morning and they have a broken heart. And you look at them and they look fine, but inside they have a broken heart. And we just want to uh, say we are glad, no matter where you're coming from, that you are here with us this morning. We just uh, celebrate. And, you know, I I don't know where you are with Easter weekend, but uh, we're right in the middle of a crazy celebration with family. Uh, Four uh, kids, uh, our grown kids and their spouses came home Friday night, brought the ten grandkids. We had a wild Friday night. Yesterday morning in the drizzle, we had our Easter egg hunt. Uh, It was crazy. We had... Eggs up in the trees and in bushes. We have ten grandkids from like nine on down, and it was just a crazy time. And now, when I go home for lunch today, my wife's family's coming. That's fifty to sixty folks, and so uh, we're just in the middle of it. But underneath all of that, for me and for you, for my family and your family, there's this deeper thing that we come here to get in touch with on Easter. And what we want to say, what I want you to leave with today is on this first slide, and it's this, Easter is the source of our hope and the foundation of our faith. The resurrection of Jesus is the source of our hope. You won't find hope in our political system. You won't find hope uh, only in your family or in the church only. Hope is found in the resurrection of Jesus that we come to celebrate this morning, as is the foundation of our our faith. Now, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's a waste of time. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are also lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, you are to be pitied. If you come to church this morning and we sing these songs and we say these prayers and Jesus wasn't resurrected, he didn't come out of the grave, then the Apostle Paul says, pitiful. But we come today because we believe, in fact, it is true. It is true and it's where we find our hope and it's the foundation of our faith. Now, I believe the whole Easter weekend can be like a great example of family. I mean, a great example of a life. And um, I I want you to think with me today about Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was uh, coming up to his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, Thursday night, there was the Lord's Supper, right? And um, he's handing, he's having the Last Supper with the disciples. We call it communion now. And he's handing the bread to Peter, and he's saying to Peter, Peter, you'll deny me three times. Peter goes, no, no, not me. I will be with you and stand with you, even if it costs me my life. And Jesus says to Peter, no, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. And so then on Friday, uh, on Thursday night, and and then on Friday, uh, Jesus uh, has been arrested, he's been tried, he's been convicted, he's sentenced to death on the cross, then he's crucified on the cross, he's dead and he's buried in a tomb. And in spite of how clear Jesus tried to be about this, his disciples, his followers, were surprised. They were surprised. It's like, how did this happen? Jesus had tried to tell them, but they didn't get it. They had lost hope. 
He was dead. It was finished. The dream had died. And they had to go back to their regular life of being fishermen, they thought, probably so. It's, not, it's important not to miss Friday on the way to Sunday. You see, all of us have Fridays in our life. In, in our own uh, uh, pattern of how we see people growing in Christ, we call it hitting the wall. The disciples hit the wall on Friday. They lost hope. Their master, their rabbi, their savior was dead. They hit the wall. Peter, he hit the wall when he found him. little servant girl comes up to him and goes, You were one of his followers. And Peter curses and says, I never even knew that man. It's amazing. Now, I don't know what your walls have been in your life. I've got a slide here. Hitting the wall of hopelessness on Friday. We uh, had Good Friday speakers, seniors in high school, 14 of them shared on Good Friday uh, on Good Friday evening, and then we had college students share um, on Monday, uh, Monday, Thursday evening at the Cedar Falls campus, and five or six of those kids got up, and the first thing they did was they said, the wall I hit was when my parents came home and told me they were getting a divorce. One young lady stood up and said, the wall I hit was when I was born, my mom and dad were both addicted to cocaine. We're in the generation where it's not just kids who are addicted to drugs and throwing their life away. Parents of kids are doing it. And so all of us hit a wall. Sometimes it's things beyond our control and sometimes it's things we cause. And we hit this wall and it's amazing. When we hit the wall, we ask a set of questions we thought we had already answered. Peter, after he denied that he even knew Jesus, the Bible says he went off and he wept. He hit a wall on Friday. When I was a teacher and a coach, and uh, this is years back, and we had a two-year-old and an 11-month-old, and um, all of a sudden my wife was pregnant again. We don't know how that happened. She, um, <laughs> We did not know that we wanted three kids. And then um, she started having labor like seven weeks before she was due. And she called me at school and said, Dave, you got to come and take me to the hospital. The doctor says I have to go right now. And so on the way to the hospital, I'm driving her there in a car. And I turn to her. On, it's about a 15 mile. And I say, well, at least we have all the gear we'll ever need for another child. And so she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go in the, opera, in the delivery room. And the doctor is a good friend of mine. He's actually the father of my best wrestler. And so we're quite close. I've been walking with this kid for a while, and he knows us. And uh, he gets my wife ready to be delivered. And then he says, Dave, I think it might be twins. It's the first time we had heard the T word the entire pregnancy. And he said, it's going to be so rough, you can't stay in here. So I went out and drank about four Diet Cokes um, while my wife was in labor. And then he walked out to me, and he looks me in the eye, and he says, Dave, I did the best I could. I believe your daughter will die, and I'm not sure about your son. We're going to ship them to another hospital. If you want to come in and meet them, you can. So I go in. They're covered in foil and all these machines. And there are these little uh, portable incubators. And they're going to be taken. My wife and I say a prayer. And uh, my wife doesn't know what the doctors told me. She just knows her little babies are going to another hospital. And then the doctor turns to me and says, your wife will have to stay here three or four more days. And then I realize I'm going to have to go handle everything. And I hit a wall that day. 
and they were taken off to Dubuque to another hospital that had better care facilities. And ah, I went and got our two, our two-year-old and our 11-month-old, and I drove them the 90 minutes to my mom's house. And my wife had set out their clothes and everything on the table, but I grabbed the wrong baskets. So when I took the baskets into my mom with the kids, they weren't the kids' clothes all sorted. They were my wife and I's dirty clothes. So I take the two baskets and my wife, and my mom's going, what's this stuff? She has to like take care of the kids. I go in after they're all in bed. I go into my mom and dad's bathroom. I lock the door. I lean against the back door and I start to weep because I'm thinking, I'm going to have to tell my wife that her baby's died. And on the bathroom floor sitting there, I asked questions I thought I had already answered. Here's the question I asked. I was already leading kids to Jesus. I was running a big youth group. And I asked this question. God, do you even exist? Do you even exist? And then I asked this question. If you exist, do you even love me? And if you exist and you love me, do you have any power? I asked all those questions that I thought I had already answered because the wall had knocked me down. Some of you have been there. Some of you might be there right now where the pain is so hard in your life, you're asking those questions that you thought you've already answered. You can fill in the blank. You know the Bible verses. But deep in your heart, you're saying, is it true? Is it true? Well, uh, our twins did well. Uh, about seven weeks later, they got out of the hospital. We brought them home. They're two of the kids who have brought my grandkids for the Easter egg hunt. And my wife did well. And we're just celebrating that. But I want you to notice something else. That it wasn't just Friday. It's Friday. Then there's Saturday. Saturday. Have you thought about Saturday? It was a day of waiting. It was a day of waiting. On Friday, Jesus died and the disciples were thrown, uh, hit the wall. On Saturday, not, it's the Jewish Sabbath. Nothing's happening. They're just sitting around waiting for the next day. When the twins were born, it took us a couple weeks to determine whether they would live or die. It was Saturday. Some of you have had Saturdays. I have a friend leading worship in a big church in Cedar Falls this morning. He found out on Monday he has a brain tumor that's caused several seizures. And he's going to stand up in front of this church on this morning right now. And he's going to lead that church in resurrection music for Easter. And he's in Saturday. Monday he hit the wall when the doctor said, we don't know what kind of tumor it is that's giving you these seizures. And in two weeks or three weeks, we're going to do brain surgery. And this morning... He's singing resurrection songs, and he's on Saturday, right? Some of you are living through Saturday. You've been knocked down, and you're waiting to see what the outcome is going to be. What's the outcome? What's the prognosis? What will happen? The disciples, they were doing the same thing. Jesus was dead, and they were just waiting. They were asking these questions. Now, just in case you think like God lost control on Friday and Saturday. Let me read you a verse and put on the screen a verse from John chapter 10. 
This is Jesus. Jesus is speaking before this all happens and he says this, the reason my father loves me is that I choose to lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus is saying before time, It's not like God has control only of uh, the Sunday morning resurrection. God is in control on Friday when I'm put on the cross and I have authority to take myself down, but I'm going to choose not to. I noticed my wife yesterday was doing resurrection eggs and one of the lines in the book she was going was, the nails didn't hold Jesus on the cross. What held Jesus on the cross? And it was amazing to hear my grandkids. Somehow they learned this. It was love, Grandpa. It was love that kept him on a cross. Not the nails. I said, oh my goodness. What a great message. Somehow they've gotten. It was love that held Jesus on the cross. Um, Now, there's always these Saturdays. Remember Mary and Martha? And their brother Lazarus dies? And they send word to Jesus and they say, hey, come quickly. Because if you come, you can save Lazarus. Remember? And then Lazarus died. Jesus waits. The Bible says Jesus chose to wait. He waited three days. Lazarus dies. Mary and Martha hit the wall. We need a brother to take care of us. Our brother just died. Jesus didn't show up. And then they wait several days and they put him in a tomb. And then when Jesus comes, what do they say? They say, if you had been here. Jesus has all authority. All authority. And Jesus said, well, I'm going to raise him. They said, well, we know you're going to raise him in the last days, but we need him now. And Jesus walks out to the tomb. Remember that scene? He says, Lazarus, rise. And he walks out of the tomb, kind of a precursor of Easter Sunday morning. And they had to live through Friday. He died. Saturday, they waited. And then Sunday, he was raised. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8? She's actually caught having sex with a married man. And these church officials who catch her, they drag her in in front of Jesus. Remember this story? Such a great story. And she's like, hit the wall. This is the worst ever. And they say, our law says we can rock her to death, stone her. So we're going to pick up rocks and we're going to finish the job here because she's evil. Don't ask me where the, where the guy is. He's off somewhere, scot-free. They're going to punish her. And she's hit the wall. And then did you notice what Jesus did in that moment? He bends down in the dirt. And he starts writing some stuff. That's her Saturday. She's waiting. I think I'm going to die here. And Jesus just writes in the dirt some stuff for a while. Then he says this in the Living Bible. Okay, go ahead. Stone her. But only he who has no sin may throw the first stone. And then I love what it says. It says the wisest and elder left first realizing there would be no stoning here because they all had sin, right? That was her Saturday. Then her Sunday, what did it look like? He turned to her and he said, doesn't anyone condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That was her Easter Sunday morning. Some of you have had Fridays. You can name them. Some of you are in them now. Some of you are in the Saturday waiting period. Kurt Patterson, uh, our lead elder, some of you know Kurt, a lot of you know Kurt. He's exercising on his treadmill a few, day, uh, a few weeks ago, and his arm starts to go, uh, his, his heart starts to uh, hurt, his chest hurts. 
And he has an appointment with the barber, so he gets in his car and he drives over to the barber and he says to the barber, I'm going to cancel my appointment. I'm going to the emergency ward. The doctor said, in all of my years of being a barber, I've never had anyone show up to cancel an appointment. <laughs> he drives five more blocks. By the time he's there, part of his side is numb. He goes in and they say, I think it'll be a stent. And then they put him in another hospital and they try the stent. It's not going to work. They say it's actually going to be worse, and they put him to his third hospital that morning. And he has, uh, says, you're going to have uh, quadruple uh, uh, open-heart surgery. And, uh, but we can't do it till Monday, and this is a Friday. So he hits the wall, and they say, you know, Kurt, if you know Kurt, he's going, what's, well, what's, what's the outcome? What's the percentages? And it was 90-10. And so he's got, he hit his wall. He had plans for the whole weekend. Everything changed on a dime. He hit the wall, and then he had two days to wait. Now, if you know Kurt, he called a party in his hotel room. In his, uh, he thought it was a hotel room, his hospital room, for Saturday afternoon, and the kids brought over board games. And then they watched a Hawkeye game, and he said, I cannot get excited. <laughs> he watched the game, and then he called his children in around his bed, and he said, it's 90-10 tomorrow. I have some things to tell you. I want to tell you I love you. I want to tell you I'm proud of you. I want to tell you this family will go on whether I live or die. And I want to tell you about Jesus. The number one thing I care about in your whole life is do you know Jesus? His family talks. They pray. They go home. Monday morning he gets up and has quadruple bypass surgery. It's fine. It turns out great. In fact, last night he was supposed to stay home and rest so he could help us this morning at our Cedar Falls campus. He couldn't. He was there at 6 o'clock last night going, people are coming to Easter. i got to be handing out these bulletins. This morning he was like the first one in our building, just celebrating the Easter resurrection. Because you know what? He knows Easter is the source of our hope. And it's the foundation of our faith. It is. It is. And so um, uh, one of our our groups is singing in one of our venues this morning a song that says, The Son of God who rolled away the stone in front of every grave. You see, Easter, Easter gives us hope for this life and the next life. You see, Easter gives us hope for this life and the next life. And if our twins 30 years ago had died in their incubators, there would still be hope. Because they would have had a heavenly father who welcomed them to heaven and would have cared for them and would have comforted my wife and I. My worship leader friend with a tumor on his brain, he may get better. But he may die. Either way, he has hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus. Hope in this life and hope in the next. You see, hope is not based in the fact that in this life, Jesus will answer your prayers the way you want them answered. He won't always answer your prayers the way you want them answered. He won't. Children die. Heart attacks come. But we're here this morning 
to celebrate a resurrection hope that works in this life and the next. If Kurt had died on the table that Monday morning, what he told his family on Sunday afternoon is, there's still hope. There's still hope. If I, uh, you know, we've got these 50, 60 people waiting at my house to have a party this afternoon. If on the way home to Cedar Falls, I get run into by a truck and killed. I don't know why it's always a truck. I get run into by a truck and killed. There's still hope. The management team of this church has asked me to plan my funeral. They think it would be a lot better if uh, something happens to me in the next five, six years. It would be a lot better if I plan it than if they have to spend that week getting ready for it. So I actually planned my funeral. And just this week, I decided the cover of my funeral bulletin. It comes from this verse. It will say this. If you come to my funeral, if I die, you'll see the front cover says this. There is still hope. There's still hope. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope in this life and the next. It's amazing. Jesus said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. Easter is the hope, is the source of our hope and the foundation of our faith. Paul says this, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far by better, which is by far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know if you're in a Friday or a Saturday or if you just come through a Friday and a Saturday and you're in a Sunday. I, I don't know where you are, but I know this. I'm grateful that you came this morning because the news of hope that we have to share, it's great news on Fridays, it's great news on Saturdays, and it's great news on Sundays. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what your struggles are. And maybe you're like my wife and I. We have so few struggles right now. We simply say our life is blessed to be a blessing. We like have blessings overflowing on us and everywhere we look. So our call is to not, we don't have to worry about Fridays and Saturdays right now. We just get to bless people. I don't know where you are. But I know this message we have of Easter. It's the source of all hope. And it's the foundation of all faith. Uh, I'm going to ask you to um, pray with me. And um, then the band's going to come and lead us in some more uh, great worship. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the resurrection of Jesus. It was your plan and it came together in a way that was incredibly powerful and hope-filled. A way that helps us with our sin and our shame and our brokenness and our hopelessness. And Father, we know that you want to stir up hope in us this morning. You want us to leave this place with more hope and more faith than when we came in. Jesus, help us find that hope. 
Help that faith stir in our hearts. Help us hear these words of you, and could they be true? And Father, as we sing these final two worship songs, which are powerful, could the words of the songs give us hope? Help us hang on to the hope of the resurrection. Help us know that the hope is good for Friday and Saturdays and Sundays. And help us be certain of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.